Hey, you're listening to episode 29 of The Pseudo Show. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards. And I'm here too, Justin Edwards. And this is, uh, you know, only two episodes later, we're at the end of the year. It's been a slower second half of the year for The Pseudo Show. But we're bringing you uh, sort of a year-end recap. We, we stopped in in the middle of the year to talk about our favorite movies and shows up to that point. And we've got a lot of more stuff, especially movies that have uh, come and gone, that we thought we would kind of give a rundown of our disappointments and our faves. Definitely. Um, well, I guess to starters... Some movies we had talked about on the last uh, episode that we were possibly looking forward to, and then now that we've seen them, uh, one of those was Peanuts. Uh, general, like, I was very impressed with animation style. It was fun. There were some funny moments and clever kind of jokes with the Peanuts gang. But mm-hmm. on the whole, I think I'm probably, generally, my reaction was like yours. How would you sum up yours? Uh, it was a good kids movie, but not not all I wanted from Peanuts. And uh, even good kids movie, I kind of have an asterisk a little bit about. Um, I appreciate they didn't force in a big bad guy um, because that would have been really weird for Peanuts. I think um, I, I liked the Snoopy dream sequence kind of stuff. That was all fun. Um, the kind of the core Charlie Brown thing just felt a little generic, though it, it, it didn't feel special. Yeah, it, it felt like you know they took it very seriously. They wanted to capture the simplicity of Peanuts and kind of the episodic nature, and they do that well. You know, I I, I felt like it was almost kind of like a Christmas story. How it's just kind of like here's just a sequence of you know funny stuff and here and there, and then you jump ahead a couple of months. Um, but yeah, there was just something about the mood of it or the tone that doesn't quite get that melancholy we're, we're used to expecting with Peanuts, certainly with the soundtrack. Um, there was some good soundtrack in this. Um, they did reuse some of the, you know, bot- what's his name? Vince Guaraldi. Yeah, Vince Guaraldi. Not enough. <laughs> no, it was just kind of like a nod. But um, the most offensive thing to me was just the use of this pop song over and over. I don't even know who it was. I didn't want to look it up. But it was kind of when the trailer came out and it was set to as this big poppy, like, girl rock pop song, we were scared that they would go that way. And they kind of did a, a bit in the movie, too. So I was just a little disappointed. I, I remember tweeting um, Charles Schultz was rolling around in his grave because they used popular <laughs> music. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it just seemed a little off. I mean... Normal for kids movie, but off for Schultz Peanuts. Yeah, that was a disconnect for me. So, you know, it was, you know, in trying to, again, you don't like to say, oh, it's just a kids movie with that asterisk. I like to have a movie stand on its own merits and not like give it slack because it's not for adults. Um, I don't think that's fair. I think you can look to Pixar for, uh, generally they overcome that <laughs> with their audiences, like making them actually just good movies and not just, ha it's for kids yeah. though. And we had a rare year this year. We had two Pixar movies this year, uh, Inside Out, which we talked about last time. Was it already out by then? Yeah, I think it came out in June. Yeah, we did talk about it. And I thought that was fantastic. I have not seen The Good Dinosaur yet, but you have. So what I did, did. you think? Yeah, we went to see The Good Dinosaur. Um, again, this is one that kind of like struck us a little... You know, sub subpar for Pixar as far as that concerned, and, and and that's a good thing to say that like you have really high expectations from that studio, um, but this one just kind of felt a little. You know, you're wondering why they delayed it and why you know it just kind of, I don't know, it felt just kind of flat a bit for me. 
um, it was it was good. It was really well done. Obviously, it's like fun to look at and really great, you know, music and an emotional journey for this dinosaur. Um, but it had this, you know, for me personally, it kind of falls into the brave category level of like, yeah, it's Pixar and it's it's well done and it's good, but it's just not quite like epic, uh, you know, satisfying storytelling and, and getting caught up, I guess, with the characters. It was just kind of like very typical, you know, it was just mm-hmm. without spoiling anything. The general story is dinosaur, um, you know, gets leaves his home and then his whole mission is to get back home. And, and it's very simple. Um, so there's just a few episodes of him trying to struggle to get home and then he gets home and yeah, okay, great moments, but <laughs> homeward bound. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. Well, that's a little disappointing just knowing that Pixar very rarely misses. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of cars, but almost every single one of their movies is, is pretty great. Um, if you do see it, I'd like to talk sometime. I'll just say one other movie, the lion King, and then we can compare those two and kind of uh, see how they, you know, so, I don't know if it's, so it's homage Hamlet. or if it's <laughs> less Hamlet so much, but still kind of the kid and the dad and the distance story. And I don't know. You'll see it. We'll, you'll know immediately because some of the shots are exactly Lion King. And you're like, all right, when he's going to meet his two <laughs> little buddies, there they are. Does uh, Even though they don't have paws the same way, does a dinosaur hold another dinosaur up into the sky? <laughs> um, not per se. I mean, it is the opening scene is the baby dinosaur being born and him, the dad going like, yes. So. Uh, well, so those are a couple of our disappointments. Not that there weren't many other disappointments, but two that kind of stood out. Yeah, um, I mean, and you didn't see James Bond. I could throw that in there. And disappointed in that you always hoped that this series of James Bond is better, but it just kind of was, again, kind of mailed in. They're kind of 50-50, actually, the longer they go with him. Yeah, yeah. So, And this was, yeah, it's better than, you know, what quantum. the quantum solace for sure. Um, <laughs> but that's but it, damning with faint praise <laughs> if you have to bring up solace. Yeah, it's it's just generally it's kind of feels like a generic Bond film. It wasn't something super special about it to make you go, oh, yeah, but that had him in it. So, So we can switch over to our favorites of the year, and we're recording this before either of us have seen Star Wars, The Revenant, or Hateful Eight. And uh, those are three movies that have a decent chance at being on on a top of our list. Yeah. So just the full disclaimer, we have not seen those yet. Yeah, Um, and I mean, people will be tracking down Star Wars in a couple of days here and then a week later it's Christmas and that's when those other ones come out. I mean, by the end of the year I will have seen all these, but um, I think we, we could go for it as is. Yeah, we can always revisit with another episode if we think we have enough to say. Um, but, you know, my list includes a lot that was on our mid-year, um, but I, I figure we can just go through this. Our, our list line up a lot, so maybe let's just take these movies one by one. Yeah. Um. I don't know, where do you want to start? Uh, I mean, this isn't in any kind of order. I think just in general, just movies we really enjoyed. Since our last episode, The Martian came out, and that was really well done, really impressive. You know, I felt like Ridley Ridley Scott at the top of his game. (laughs) Yeah, I, I wasn't pulled out like I... It, it didn't feel so movie like I. I actually felt like I was hanging out with him on Mars for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Matt Damon was really great. I think it was a great role for him, just kind of getting to be a little sassy, but like you know, smart. <laughs> Science the shit out of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bridge of Spies also came out. Um, 
and as far as I'm concerned, it was kind of like very vintage Spielberg, very satisfying, so well done. Yeah. Um, Tom Hanks is fantastic, and it just kind of raised a lot of kind of, we mentioned it too, is like it raised a lot of kind of stories that the Some Pop podcast covers, like all in one movie. So it just kind of mm-hmm. made me think a lot about, you know, our dad and kind of the topics we've been discussing for the last few months. And it was just great to kind of like, oh, look at Spielberg's tackling some of these same questions and, and things going yeah. on at the time. And, uh, you know, Tom Hanks as, as an everyman and also kind of as a, a naive optimism in like a good man in a between horrible situations can make some kind of contribution. And, um, it's a lot of fun watching him navigate very dangerous situations <laughs> and, um, his determination, wherever it comes from, his, his, his good heart kind of takes you through. And that's that, that Spielberg, there, there tends to be that kind of heart or sentiment somewhere in most of his movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but really, really well done. Definitely up there for me in the top, whatever n- number of this list is. <laughs> um, another one that I wasn't expecting to like as much as I did was The Man from Uncle, which was uh, our friend Guy Ritchie, who's done a couple Sherlock movies and finally got out of that for a while, though there's rumors of a third one. I don't know what they're going to do for a third Sherlock. But, <laughs> but yeah, Man from right. Uncle was just a ton of fun. Like, I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, Guy Ritchie always has really playful um, production styles and editing and um, the way he moves pictures around, but it, I don't know, it was just fun. Yeah, definitely it was one of those movies that, you know, you don't expect too much because you're like, well, it's kind of a TV remake, we'll see what they do. Takes you by surprise. It's, you know, really funny too. Um, I love the rapport between the two guys and the girl kind of gets in the middle of all them and has a lot of fun too. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of one of those movies that kind of went by the wayside. It's sort of like, oh man, from uncle, whatever, but definitely feel like tracking it down. I think it just came out for streaming. So you can if go. you want to redeem a, a sour viewing of specter, track down man from uncle, if you need your espionage fix. Yeah, for sure. Um, also I was going to say, um, but yeah, the girl in it, I can't say her name is like, oh, is it the ex machina girl? Vikander. Yeah. It's the same girl who played the robot in ex machina. So, and, and we had talked about that last episode too, and that's for me. That's one of my top movies of the year too. I think I really, really enjoyed kind of the skill at work with such kind of you know you talk about this all the time. It's like those limitations you put on yourself to do excellent work. Um, in that you know this movie was a lower budget, wasn't a big studio film. It was just three characters in one location, but kind of you know what he, what he was able to do with that dynamic um, was really well done. Yeah, and uh, so those are all on our top list. Uh, we also got Mad Max, which we talked about last episode, but is uh, was just for me. It was more of a an amazing spectacle, and not so much beyond that. But I really enjoyed watching it. Yeah, I mean, I think it as it's, again, it's another one of those kind of like simple ideas for a story and this executed so like out of the park amazingly well done stunts you know and just simple yeah. in, in approach but just kind of fully fully succeeded it just looks level. so good <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, and it's also a fun one too where it kind of gets these situations set up and then you're like i wonder how they're going to get out of this one and just kind of fun to kind of watch them and just such a such a stark like there's so many apocalyptic worlds but this one is just so unique with its 
creatures that inhabit it and you know so well so easy to to mock and play with like i i think conan strapped himself like with cgi to the front of a car with like a you know fire guitar for some sequence (laughs) at some point just mocking that ridiculous like yeah he's playing heavy metal and he's strapped to the front of a giant war truck and they keep showing him and you're like what are they going to do with him and they do do something with him you kind of get to see his fate and what happens and it's just kind of great to see all those little little characters that populate the whole universe and each of them get their own little you know, journey with like, oh, and that's where his interaction ends. But, you know, they're still all used. They're not just window dressing. Mm-hmm. But speaking of other creatures, I think my my favorite comedy I've seen, and I, I still keep standing by this, it's the funniest movie I've seen in a decade, um, which is just kind of, you know, up your comedy game last decade. <laughs> um, if I missed something, okay. But What We Do in the Shadows... Um, and this was something we also had talked about last episode, but you know, I just want to reiterate, like that's absolutely worth checking down, tracking down. I saw it had just joined HBO Go slash now, so you can go watch it on your friend's password that you have, you know you do. Um, so yeah, what we do in the shadows, definitely go check it out. It's the uh, mockumentary about vampires living modern day New Zealand. I also put an asterisk on this because I think this is one of the movies I'm going to remember for a long time. And, you know, I liked Bridge of Spies and Man from Uncle and Mad Max, but I don't know that I'm going to like watch them every year. I could yeah. probably watch this one every year. And I mean, that's not the only metric to measure like, oh, this movie was great because I'm going to watch it a lot. But, um, it's it's going to stick with me. It's already in our the way we talk to each other and our jokes. And yeah. <laughs> it's just I always can't get up. Viago's voice out of my head in certain situations. It's always coming up. Just he's a dandy from the seventeen hundreds, but you know, it's just really well done. And you know, there was rumors that that director was going to be doing the next Thor movie. I don't know if that got confirmed, but I'd be really interested to see what he does with that. Well, you, you could do a lot worse than Kenneth Branagh. I don't know who did the second Thor movie, but... <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Actually, you could do a lot better than Kenneth Branagh. Is what I, mean. <laughs> uh, I have a couple uh, honorable mentions, at least on my list. I know you hadn't seen them yet, but uh, Kingsman, which was kind of, again, kind of advertised as this like edgy like high school dude James Bond movie. Um, by the guy who made the first Kick-Ass. But Kingsman, for some reason, works on so many levels, too, and it's aware of itself in that it it knows it's a send-up of Bond films and it's for high school kids. But at the same time, it's working on another level where it's like, okay, he's almost like, since he's so aware of what he's doing, he's able to subvert it in in a sense. And I guess by the end, it's just kind of this romp it's got great action and it's got some really great kind of story twists that catch you by surprise and you're like wow this is actually doing something real here um while having a lot of fun doing it um it's on my list i think I yeah, can't wait to catch it between that and mad max i think it was a pretty great year for kind of action kind of movies um and then another one i put here just because nobody really talks about horror films too much um and i i, I see as many as i can just because i'm always curious to see where they go um, it follows was a really low budget indie movie. They shot it in Michigan, um, but it's it's really well done as well. It it kind of takes this very simple idea um, of what if a demon was passed from one person to another because they had sex, and 
the thing that will chase you and follow you until you have sex with someone else. Otherwise, it's going to kill you. It's just kind of this great <laughs> setup um, that's, you know, they have a lot of fun with it. And, you know, I think it's it's working at maybe like 85% magical, you know, and just only relies on a few horror tropes to make you kind of go like, all right. But generally, I think it's very, very original and very well done. Um, and just totally different. It kind of occupies this strange kind of like 1980s world, but set in modern times because they have like cell phones. It's just has this great tone to it, which is kind of otherworldly and, and fantastical. And it's the great stage for the, the story they're exploring. So track that down if you can too. You know, it's, it's another actually a, a decent horror film that came out this year. So, so that kind of wraps up our year again, kind of holding off on. You know, a three three movies we got our eye on for the holiday season, but um, otherwise, I think it was a decent year for movies. Um, moving forward, what do you see kind of coming up that you're excited for 2016? Oh man, there's. It seems like. I mean, I know Hollywood runs on sequels, but next year seems like an avalanche of comic book sequels and just cinematic universe continuations. And so we have Batman, we have Star Trek, we have Suicide Squad, we have Captain America, we have X-Men, we have Independence Day, we have, oh man, another Harry Potter. Yeah, a Ghostbusters reboot, a Harry Potter spinoff, a Zoolander Pixar. sequel. Even oh yeah, Pixar's doing, yeah. Everything so, on this list is a sequel. Uh, I saw Jumanji got remade. Why? I just nothing. Yeah. Very very few original and things. Some of them year. might be good, but um, I don't think I don't feel excited about any of those. Uh, one of the few <laughs> originals I see on our list here is uh, Spielberg's adaptation of the BFG, uh-huh. which is a Roald Dahl story. I've never actually read, but um, I, I saw the teaser. I know you try to avoid those things, but um, yeah. like just. You know, you give Spielberg's benefit of the doubt, and that teaser looked really, you know, it barely showed anything, but you're just like, all right, this is like a, a magical world, and it's going to be really fun to kind of go on this adventure. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably near the top for me right now, just because it's like, I I'm, I might really like Batman versus Superman. I probably won't, but um, <laughs> it's just like, I know what I'm going to get. There's like the story beats that are going to be there, and it's just like, it's hard to get excited. Yeah, I don't know how much I'm not counting down for any of these, really. You know, I think I'm very curious to see what they do with the Ghostbusters rebooting. Um, I've, I've enjoyed the Zoolander trailers. I'll also go, I'll go see it because I just think it's such a hilarious idea. Um, one movie I wanted to highlight, I, a kind of a really, really silly trailer came out like a couple of weeks ago. It was for Gods of Egypt. Uh, it's it just looks like a big CG fest like adventure romp in Egypt with non no Egyptians playing the role of Egyptians. <laughs> um, but regardless, it's it's made by the guy who did again. He started with Dark City and The Crow, and then he kind of did some big budget things that flopped a bit. You know, he did iRobot. Um, uh, Alex Proyas, yeah, Alex Proyas. So I I see everything he does just because I'm curious to see what he does with it. Um, but Gods of Egypt just looks kind of like super ridiculous. Um, it's got, I don't know, his real name, Jamie Lannister and from Game of Thrones. Nikolai Koster Nick, hyphen Nick name. Something or other. <laughs> um, but in the trailer, he looks really like kind of a real classic Final Fantasy tactics kind of trope guy. He's got a <laughs> one eye missing, so he's got this bandage over it, and he's just playing the old wise man who's training a young warrior or whatever. 
Um, it looks super silly and super CGI, but I just think that he's probably going to have fun with it. And, I, and I'll go see it. Um, but just one that kind of stands out, worth checking out a trailer just to go like, okay, that's going to be ridiculous. Just you mentioning Jamie Lannister makes me think of that that stupid Game of Thrones like fake behind the scenes when they're like writing songs together for a oh, yeah. and he's singing like a, some family tree song about how there's only one branch. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna have to look that up again and include it in our show notes so it counts as a topic. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I mean, another one I'm on the lookout for is Rogue One, which is the first non-Skywalker-focused Star Wars movie. Yeah, yeah um, very interesting idea. And the, the premise sounds like a perfect idea for a movie, which is before A New Hope, before the first Luke Star Wars, how did the Rebels steal the Death Star plans and kind of that whole mission? And I'm like, yep, bring it on. Like, <laughs> Maybe play with the genre. You don't have to go all Joseph Campbell. It can be more like an espionage, like Mission Impossible kind of thing mm-hmm. um, in the Star Wars universe. I have no idea if that's what they're doing. Um, I don't even know if they started, if how far into production they are. But um, I'll try to avoid spoilers on that, just like I've tried to avoid on force awakens <laughs> yeah star of the force awakens wars um anything else you're excited about i know we just rattled off all the sequels <laughs> yeah i mean i i'm curious uh one really funny trail i thought the trailer was really funny was for central intelligence um go just go look at it it's the rock and kevin hart so <laughs> you already can see how stupid it's gonna be but it's just this really huge you know, all business CIA agent, and then he has to take on Kevin Hart, who obviously is an idiot and doesn't know what he's doing. So but, that was the get smart plot, <laughs> sort of. Yeah, but it's it gets to be so over the top, and The Rock like steals the trailer. Like I'm going to see it because him in a trailer is just unbelievably funny. Um, and I see most things that he's in, anyways. I Did even saw see, San Andreas. I was just going to ask. <laughs> And it was so bad, and it's bad because he doesn't get to have fun in it, you know? Uh, um, I think if he's going to be in something, you need to let him have fun. That's why I saw the last Fantastic, you know, Fast and the Furiouses for him. <laughs> it was just to get to see The Rock, you know, because he does have some fun, you know. He's a real yeah. classic 80s throwback one-liner kind of guy who kind of, you know, he likes looking into the camera pretty much and saying, like, what's up? I'm <laughs> Lots huge. of fourth wall breaking. And I'm funny, yeah. Um but yeah, there's there's a couple of movies. I'll, I'll just put a fo- footnote here. They don't come out till next fall, but I'll, I'll talk about them as we get there. Was just because my wife worked on a couple of them. There's um, the founder, which is a, a an indie drama from the Weinstein's, who uh, did a story about Ray Kroc, who started. Uh, well, he he found McDonald's, he found the brothers, and then turned them into the franchise they are today. Um, so it's an interesting. You know, Michael Keaton plays Ray Kroc, and he's just kind of like sets out to take advantage of the McDonald's brothers. Very similar to an old pseudo book story we yeah. had about the first fast food. Herbert's Fasty. I was going to yeah. ask if that's in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty Better much. Be. It, that's the story. Um, and then she's also working on Owen Wilson's next comedy. It's called Bastards. And it's him and God, his name forgets, slips my mind now. He was in The Hangover and he was in The Office. Not Brad Cooper and not Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> I'm doing some live Googling while you describe what that movie but, is. Uh, the Bastards is about these two brothers. Ed Helms. Who, Ed Helms, right. 
Um, Glenn Close is in it, and <laughs> J.K. Simmons, J.K. Yeah, so, like it has a pretty decent cast, and she's been watch, working on it, you know, as one of the assistant editors, and she's, you know, she's been coming home doing Owen Wilson's voice to me all the time. <laughs> uh, but it's just fun to kind of get to see, you know, for me, Owen Wilson was somebody, you know, in my teenage and twenties, he was kind of one of the guys I thought was really clever and funny, and kind of had a good point of view on, you know the stories he kind of worked on and wanted to tell. Um, but it's just kind of like, you know, he's one of my filmmaking heroes of sorts. And now Juliet's working on his movie and it's just kind of like, Whoa, that's awesome. So is, we'll uh, see that. Is minus man still one of your favorite movies? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Everyone has a few blunders. Um, some question mark films, which not all of these are, are slated for next year, but uh, one of them is uh, the next Star Trek from the Fast and Furious director. Yeah, and what did are you going to do there? Did you watch the trailer? <laughs> I haven't seen it. I'm not worried about spoiling that, so I'll check it out. Um, I would have to say, I mean, man, <laughs> the, the trailer is just like action, 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 which um, you know has kind of been the the common complaint about since J.J. Abrams rebooted Star Trek is like, this is not what Star Trek's about. It's about philosophical dilemmas from people mm. talking mostly. Um, but I'm actually cool overall with the, the reboots, even though they're, they're a little, you know, generic blockbustery. Um, but this one was, I don't know, it wasn't helping with the like kind of the, the typical complaints of like male driven, um, like the the only female in the trailer is like a sexy alien that's clearly like <laughs> not on the level of like and like they made a big deal in Into Darkness they introduced a new female cast member mm-hmm. into the Star Trek universe and she's nowhere to be seen and it's just kind of like I'm not normally the one to be like Bechdel test movies and be like do <laughs> do women talk about something other than men in this movie but like it just seemed like come on like. <laughs> Yeah, that's the reviews I've been seeing of it so far. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see and just kind of see what he does with it. You know, is he just doing Fast and Furious in space, right? Yeah. And didn't, isn't this, is it Justin Lin, the director? Yeah. Didn't he do some of the True Detective season two? He did, yeah. Yeah. So Which is another kind of one of those curious choices, but, you know, bring some of that brooding you know mood to star wars star trek it'd be interesting (laughs) (laughs) all of uh vince vaughn's one-liners um the other big question mark uh this isn't a 2016 movie but and that's just looking at the future of star wars so we have jj abrams who just finished force awakens we haven't seen it yet um from what i can tell it looks like he probably did his job it's probably going to be a solid movie but we don't know for sure yet um Really excited that episode eight will be is written and directed by Ryan Johnson. That's like beyond the most exciting Super thing. Excited. Yep. Um, but What's that summer uh, twenty seventeen is that when that is? Yeah. Okay. Um, so we're not. You know, we're a year and a half out from that. But really concerning is uh, slated to direct episode nine is Colin Trevorrow. And yeah, I'm our, our not happy in about this. World. <laughs> so he did Safety Not Guaranteed, which was. It was an okay movie. I enjoyed watching that movie. And mm-hmm. then Jurassic World, which I would say is pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, go listen to our, our previous episode. We did kind of tear into Jurassic World a bit. Just, um, uh, I think the operating phrase was it, it has contempt for the audience. Yeah. You want yeah, some we, fucking dinosaurs? Here's some dinosaurs. 
<laughs> yeah. Dinosaurs eating dinosaurs and uh, on top of each other. And the, we talk about kind of this funny moment in the movie where they talk about the park. That's all the people want. And it's like you're talking about your your own movie, you know. Um, and how ridiculous setup was. Regardless, um, yeah. So since then, he has been announced formally as the episode nine director. And you know, we just have reservations, right? We're just like, yeah. We're glad he's probably not overseeing the script per se. I guess the yeah, latest is saying Ryan Johnson is still taking care of the next two scripts. Um, and I trust him as a storyteller and kind of his obsession. You know, he might it. be like a secret savior to this whole new trilogy from getting like genericized like Marvel stuff, mm-hmm. which might be, you know, make someone angry listening to this that I would say that. But um, did you see the Avengers sequel? No, I totally oh, skipped it. Poor Joss Whedon. Like, because, you know, like after the fact, he kind of did kind of air his grievances over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was me working, trying to work in this huge, huge, huge studio property and I didn't like it. And I'm going back to my own little things now <laughs> yeah. which props i can't wait to see what he does next but yeah. you know maybe ryan johnson can steer this giant massive ship because i i've read that he was in talks with jj through the force awakens and like asking for certain things in that story and then he didn't say what um but like for him to do what he wants to do in eight, he wanted to make sure certain things were in motion in mm-hmm. seven. And so he's, he's looking backwards and it just feels like he's trying to shepherd this story um, from whatever they had to do in seven to maybe helping Trevor O have at least good source material he can ruin. <laughs> yeah. So it, yeah, let's let it be Trevor O's fault. Cause we know it won't be Ryan Johnson's. Um, and for those not quite familiar, the name he did, most recently he did Looper a couple years ago, um, which was kind of his really cool version of a time travel paradox exploration about a man who has to murder his future self or vice versa. Um, but I, I just, story for that alone, like I think visually it was just so clever and cool and the new kind of things he brought to, a, you know, a pretty standard Terminator kind of action movie that it yeah. could have been and turned it into this like more calm and cool and like just I don't know dashing yeah. cameras just like zooming over the yeah. top of a scene and like I just like I think that's so cool that we get to see that style of a, a unique visual filmmaker who gets to bring that to Star Wars you know which yeah yeah it's gonna be cool and uh, he also directed some of the most highly regarded episodes of Breaking Bad. Yeah. And uh, also something to look up, I think it's on Netflix, is Brick. Um, yeah, definitely. That was for, kind of his first feature film he'd put together with um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt when he was still in high school. and um, <laughs> He was probably 25, but he looked like he was in high <laughs> he school. He looked like it, yeah. Um, but that was a cool movie, too. It's definitely worth checking out, tracking out if you haven't. It's, uh, it's a high school murder mystery set in the style of kind of like a noir you know, sense where they talk to each other like hard-boiled detectives in the 40s, even though it's set in the 2000s. Yeah, really excited. S- Star Wars. Save we'll us all, Ryan Johnson. Crossing <laughs> our fingers for Trevor and just hoping, you know, he doesn't ruin it, which I'm sure he's doing it himself. You know, he's just like, uh Because he knows how, how people felt about Jurassic World. Apart from it making $2 billion, He's just like, yeah, I know that there was. If he has any self awareness, he won't just be like, well, it made a lot of money, so shut up. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I don't think he does. I I don't, yeah, I trust him at least that far. Um, So that's movies coming up and and kind of looking forward. Um, Want to flip it over to television? Yeah. Um, 
Anything new you've seen since, you know, I know we had talked about True Detective a bit and Better Call Saul last time around. Yeah. Um, what's been sticking with you lately? Well, I find it hard to want to talk about anything other than Fargo season two because it's oh, just gosh. the best thing on TV. And I know I, I just finished the finale and you haven't, so I can't talk about that. But yeah. just in, in broad strokes, is there anything as good as this on TV right now? For for them to even just to compare to the first season, which was fantastic, um, through and through, just to know that that was the pressure they were under, like, well, you know, they're not like we have to deliver, but they just went and they did something, you know, it's set. What is it like twenty five years before nineteen seventy nine? Yeah, and and for them to kind of just explore again the same fun and twisted Coen Brothers world of crime. Um, but also just with what they do with it visually, you know, for me as a filmmaker, I can't like every episode, I'm, my breath is taken away by what they not get away with, but like their style they come up with, with like these split screens. That's what I was going to mention there that that's like a major new motif is the, the split screens. And yeah, you kind awesome. of watch it. You watch it creeping into the shot, and you're like, "Are they allowed to do that? Nobody does that. Like that's like so. You know, it's like it turns the world into a comic book with panels, and like you just your eyes start exploring, and just they're telling this story that really kind of gets you wrapped up in you know, literally, it's a pulp fiction, you know, in, in the grandest of senses. Um, and, and I think this, well, the last episode I saw, which is, I think is the ninth one was when they open it with Martin Freeman does this voiceover and he, that's his name, right? From the first yeah. season, he, uh, he returns, but he's not doing his character from the first season, but he's, he's doing this kind of like storybook version of Fargo. <laughs> um, and just kind of the things they get to do each episode, they kind of explore a new kind of approach and style um, even though it all feels very cohesive and, and, you know, there's aliens, I don't know what's going on, but it's just <laughs> like they are able to pull it off and, and we buy what they're selling and it's just so well done. Like, again, like you said, um, I saw you tweeted, like, shouldn't every other show on earth just be hiring these writers? Everybody's jealous of these guys. Yeah. Can these guys just do everything for us? Well, then uh, the, the show just comes off as such steady confidence, like, they they know the story they're telling they're telling it really well and like it, it it's not rushing it's not trying to pack controversy and cliffhangers everywhere even though some episodes kind of end and you're like ah um, yeah but nothing feels contrived it all feels very natural and and cool and, and surprising and you know one of the challenges you know you find as a filmmaker is wanting to write things that feel inevitable right because that's storytelling is like it should feel inevitable but it should surprise you regardless and they do that every week it's just like oh of course it's going here and of course it's that crazy but like it makes sense for the world they built and i'm I'm gonna have to call you after you watch the finale but you know (laughs) it it turns out that whatever oil that the coen brothers struck with their first film that there was a lot of oil down there and like um it it there's so many things mixing together in this series of like, you know, it's not just small town, big town, or like simple, kind people and clever, evil people. And that's sort of like a broad strokes, minimalist way to say it. But mm-hmm. they're, they're exploring some of those ideas, but in very expansive ways with a, with a lot of different colors and moods. And, you know, in the first season was kind of modern day setting, but this is, 
you know, more like small town crime versus the the influx and the modernization and like the the sheer machine of organized crime kind of taking over what was a family business and. Um, you know, it's like not about that, but it kind of is at the same time. And mm-hmm. like, like, I don't know, like people embedded in a certain mindset that don't understand what is coming and washing over them. Mm-hmm. And like kind of that interesting conflict of the past and the future. Yeah, it's here. And what are you going to do about it? Yeah, you can, everybody has their own reaction to it. You can kill me, but what I am is what is going to replace you. So it doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter. Um, and one of my favorite I mean there's so many characters I love I really really am enjoying oh gosh my brain is totally froze of the wife's (laughs) from the girl I'm realized oh Kirsten Dunst Kirsten Dunst gosh I can't think of her name Um, she surprises me every week too and just kind of seeing what she does with this role too Um, but yeah one of my favorite lines is just kind of her coming to this realization she says i'm realized like she understands like i'm, I'm awake it's very I... cohen brothers when i think about it <laughs> yeah like she's she's finally entered into this new spiritual state of being where like she's recognized like we got to take life you know by charge and you know um it's just kind of fun to get to see her do a role like this which you wouldn't expect from her you know but from the first episode you just go like oh she's doing something really cool here it's clever um, yeah i'd almost take her character and put her in like a like, uh, what's the early Terrence Malick movie about the the guy who just like goes on a shooting spree around Badlands? And, yeah, Badlands. Yeah. Like, it's not exactly that, but it's kind of that kind of like joyride of insanity that mm-hmm. eventually has to crash down into Earth. But you're kind of watching this spectacle happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, so that's Fargo. Definitely, definitely, so good. Yeah, I, I don't know. What have what have you been watching besides that? <laughs> Not much. I have been enjoying Ash versus the Evil Dead. Um, it's just the right level of complete ridiculous um, gore and comedy, and, and it, I think one of the great ways it kind of lets you see is this character of Ash, and you get to actually really know him a bit. You know, he is kind of this womanizing like bastard of a guy. But he's stuck with this burden of I'm the only thing that can kill the evil dead. I don't know why that is. <laughs> I got to deal with that. So okay, let's do this. Um, and you know, it's very very simple premise. You know, like the evil dead is back, and he's got to you know put things yeah. back to the way they were. Um, and so this first scene has just been. I, I it's so super gory and like the fun. We just forget that like as a teenager, I love that stuff. I couldn't get enough of like the. F- comedy side of gore you know i never liked you know horrible serious like torture porn kind of stuff but when there's like the early peter jackson stuff or the sam raimi dead alive (laughs) yeah it just to me like i still get such a great kick out of like how do they do that how do they have such a spurt of blood coming out of that and like it's it's so over the top and ridiculous and props to stars for giving them that freedom because they really do go all out every episode has at least two or three really gory, disgusting <laughs> scenes that like just make you go like, oh, gosh. Um, and, and they bring it every week. And like, again, we're on board. It's great. It's really bite-sized. It's just 30-minute episodes. Yeah. So you're kind of like, oh, let's just throw it on. You know, you're in and you're out, and you kind of get to see what's coming up next week. Um, and I know, like, I think it's down towards the end of the series now in the next week or two. 
Um, but I'm really excited because, like, in the general, the the journey of the story is he's got to go back to the cabin to take care of this. Yeah. So, like, the whole season is them working their way back to, like, all right, we got to go back to where this all started. So it's just kind of fun <laughs> to see, like, oh, of course they do. And then who knows what's going to happen. But um, definitely worth binging on. Simple to binge on. I think it's just going to be 10 or so episodes, 30 minutes each. Yeah, just go for it. Yeah. I, I've only seen the first episode, and I, I'm meaning to go back to it. And, but even just that first episode, they have so much fun with, you know, they have to explain very quickly and very simply to people who may not have ever seen any Army of Darkness or Evil Dead movies. Like, how does this universe work? But mm-hmm. even just the fun they had explaining how curses got red and the evil got unleashed again. Because <laughs> you could imagine poor Ash, he's kind of like, you know, he's in his 50s, 60s now, and he's like, um, Bruce Campbell's in his 50s, right? Not 60s. Yeah, he's not that old. Yeah. Um, but in any case, like, how many decades did he go, like, like judiciously not reading the book and not unleashing <laughs> evil again. And finally, 20 years later, he, you know, he has some horrible night, like smoking pot and like, you gotta check this crap out and <laughs> accidentally <laughs> reads read curses. The book. Yeah. <laughs> and then, Oh, now we got to fight evil again. Yeah. And just the fun of the slow motion, ridiculous jumping in midair, grabbing a chainsaw on your severed hand arm and yeah. then chop like, Please do that. Somebody needs to go and have fun with that, and nobody does it better than Sam Raimi in the first place. Well, the only person I would mention that does that kind of stuff would be like Zack Snyder, but it's always so damn serious in his movies, (laughs) and it's just so much fun in Evil Dead. (laughs) Yeah, to get to have fun with that, so... Um. That's great. And then I guess uh, another honorable mention for the year is their second season starts soon is Man Seeking Woman. Um, This is, gosh, I am really bad with names tonight, but the guy, uh, you can look it up while I'm talking about it. But each episode, he's kind of like either he's looking to go out on a date or he's, you know, heartbroken over the last week's heartbreak. Um, And it's just fantastic. Like it's anything can go in this world and it happens. You know, the first episode, his ex-girlfriend starts dating Hitler who's just like 100 years old, and that's just accepted. <laughs> and the next episode, he goes out on a date with a troll, like literally just a really strange-looking <laughs> monster who just makes noises at him all dinner. Um, and each episode just kind of really so enjoys... Jay Baruchel or Baruchel? Jay Baruchel, yeah. Baruchel. So he's yeah. a, a common Judd Apatow standby. Yeah, you've seen him in everything with Seth Rogen and This is the End or whatever the one that was. Um, he just, he's around with all these movies. He did a great film a couple of years ago called Goon. You should check out. It's a hockey kind of like um, Sean William Scott goes and just beats people up on the ice rink and he becomes a superstar. <laughs> um, but it's him getting to do all the outlandish kind of adult swimmy kind of humor but in real life with practical effects and makeup. So there's super <laughs> What if weird someone monsters. dated a demon? And it wasn't just like a two-minute SNL skit, but like a whole yeah, episode. Yeah, like that's what the episode is like about. how far, what would happen? <laughs> yeah. So, um, In between that and then the other series we watched um, was, what's it, the Aziz and Azari's show? Something oh. Nothing. Um, Master of None? Master of None, Yeah. Um, we kind of binge watched that through a, a course of a week, and that was really well done. We really like that. Um, it has uh, 
Eric from Tim and Eric in it too. And, you know, that's kind of Aziz's point of view on the world. So it's kind of fun to appreciate his, his point of view, especially from there's this one really fantastic episode about kind of Indians and their like how they have to every role they have to do the Indian voice like, oh, do that, do, 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 and have to be. Um, and he does, he refuses to do it. He's like, I'm not going to do the Indian voice. And then his <laughs> friend's like, I'm going to do it because I'll get jobs, you know, and they kind of talk about the state of being an Indian working in the, in the, in the industry. But, um, but that had ended up having a really great kind of season long um, story arc too, which really pays off well in the end. And I really, really love the ending of the series. So if you do go watch that, yeah. um, I just love that last episode and seeing what he did with it is kind of clever and like, oh, good. I'm glad he did that. And he didn't go for typical. Yeah. The other meta story about that is uh, he had his own actual parents on the show playing his parents. His own parents. Yeah. And uh, there was a kind of a background story about how after that experience, he was talking to his dad and his dad was like, that was fun, but I mostly enjoyed it because I got to be with you. And then Aziz just talked about how that just destroyed him of like, oh my God, I have an amazing dad and I'm (laughs) so lucky, but also feel guilty for going away and doing all these things. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really nice moment. And you see that this one, one other thing I really liked about the series is that you get to know him and he's not playing this like, you know, wisecracking character on Parks and Rec or, you know, even his standup has a persona, but this is very like personal and, and you, you, it's just really great to kind of see somebody's heart and, and let them explore it for you. And, um, I, I can't wait. I hope he does get another season here. And definitely, um, I have like a newfound respect for him. He's not just, oh, the funny guy from Human Giant, the Indian, but he's <laughs> like, oh, he became three dimensional to me. <laughs> so, yeah. Great. Um, I mean, it. I don't have anything new to say. Game of Thrones was great earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to next season, but at, I don't know if there's anything. We'll do what they say. do. Yeah, it is just Game of Thrones is Game of Thrones. Give me Tyrion always. Just <laughs> yeah. Everyone's great, but give me Tyrion. <laughs> X-Files is coming back in a few weeks. Oh, yeah. Um, trying to we'll, quickly catch up on a whole bunch of seasons. Yeah, just... Try to find, they have a, on the list on, I think it's on Wikipedia even, they have like, this episode is a mythology episode. Um, if you just want to skip through those and miss all the Monster of the Week but ones. But some of those Monster of the Week ones are the best episodes ever made of they TV. Are. <laughs> so just go watch those asterisk ones and then watch the mythology. Um, I went through it like off and on with Juliet this past year and she's all caught up. So we're kind of... In, in a good shape to see even the movies like yeah i the first movie okay the second movie i don't know it was more of a monster of the week movie so i don't know if that's what about the 08 is that the 08 movie yeah that's the one so and it was good i liked it as an x-files episode but here's the question i have um are the robert patrick seasons worth watching yeah i mean those do end up becoming more mythology based than any of the previous seasons. Like I was astounded at the percentage they are always dealing with the alien invasion. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of something hollow about it and you just really miss Mulder. Yeah. But can't believe it. it's only six episodes they brought back and then they've already said that some of them aren't mythology episodes, mm-hmm. but I, I, I don't mind that there's a mix, you know, some series you're like 
constantly irritated, like, oh, they're stuck. Like they're stuck in an elevator and they're just going to rehash old stuff. Yeah. Um, but X Files seemed to strike a good balance of even when they weren't advancing the the universe, they were telling really satisfying monster stories. Mm-hmm. And you know, I could even just season one. The, um, the is that the one with the office building that's killing people? It's like yeah, the <laughs> digital uh, yeah. That one's great, or the, the stretchy guy that can go through vents, like so creepy. And <laughs> yeah, they, yes, they got a really lot of great ideas on there. Uh, it's fun watching them again. Um, yeah, so we'll see. We'll kind of fingers crossed. I'm sure they'll do fine. I think it'll work also in a small sample. Um, I don't know if you watched any of 24 last year when they brought that back for like a mini version of 24. No. Um, I think it was just like ten or twelve episodes, so it wasn't. It was like twelve. They should have called it, <laughs> but um, I liked it. I watched it. You know, it's as ridiculous as Twenty Four always was, but it kind of felt like more urgent because they weren't having to stretch it out over twenty four episodes. Um, but I think that might work for X Files too, and yeah, we'll see. And then, as always, I, I think the. Other than that, Fargo season three is happening <laughs> officially, okay, um, yeah. which I don't think that's a 2016. It's probably pushed back to 2017. Um, but that and uh, Better Call Saul season two is probably going to be my most top of the list thing for 2016. Yeah. Can't wait to continue to see uh, Jimmy McGill's descent <laughs> into uh, his secret, you know, persona life of crime, Saul. Um, I work at a studio that makes that show, and I think I texted you today just about, oh no, the Better Call Saul episodes are coming in because my department makes promos for them. <laughs> um, so we're already getting the episodes in, so it's like, spoiler, I, I will probably watch them as they come in, so I'll be ahead of everybody, but um, <laughs> really excited. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I was just talking about Better Call Saul to uh, my Montropo bandmate, Josh, and mm. um we were just talking about how like, you know, sort of like with Fargo, that initial like, oh no, don't, don't ruin this good thing by like trying to do it again or extend it. But then the second you start watching, you're like, oh my God, yes, please give me more of this. And they're not doing that. They are their own identity. They're going to be their own show. So just like the writing has to make every other show jealous. Cause I mean, I, Shelby for likely story is watching a lot of TV and like going into the depths of every new pilot. And <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's God's work that they're like seeking out the new shows and seeing if anything's worthwhile. And I don't envy that job, but like sometimes I'm on the couch when Quantico is on or something uh. <laughs> and I'm just like listening to the show really? and I'm just like, Oh my God, I can't. <laughs> Yeah, we we'll just don't have time for that. <laughs> um, otherwise, I don't think there's m- much. I mean, I know Twin Peaks is currently in production. Oh, right. I don't think that will start in 2016. I think he'll be working on it for another year. Um, but yeah, that'll eventually be a topic on its own. So, Yeah, how about That's games? <laughs> games. Um, so you're catching me fresh off of finishing Fallout 4. What's the verdict? Um, I had never played a Fallout before, so this was my first experience in that kind of post-apocalyptic fun the world. The fact that you finished it is something. Yeah, I mean, I I became obsessed with, you know, I don't, again, you kind of say like Bethesda games aren't known for their story per se, 
but I really just wanted to know what happened to my son. And so I just kept, <laughs> I'd go home, home from work every night and play at least an hour and a half or two, just like going through the story missions. So I've gone through all the story missions. I get what happens and it's fine. Um, really satisfying. I really loved kind of upgrading my, my character with the perks once I figured it out. <laughs> um, I could do a whole episode on kind of the learning curve of kind of dropping into a series for the first time. Um, but I figured it out eventually, and you know, before I knew it, I was on my way. And I, it helped that I set the game to very easy, <laughs> not ashamed, because um, I just wanted to have fun with it. I didn't want to like actually have to have a hard time like killing the tough guys or whatever. And there comes a point where like, well, this guy could take fifty shots or twenty shots, but the game is the same experience. So let's just right. make this What's the difference? <laughs> so yeah, I, I kind of flew through that, and now like I've. I think I've done all there is to do that I want to do. I could keep developing the Commonwealth and the Minutemen story, um, which is you know the faction that wants to kind of bring power back to the people. Um, but yeah, in, in general, I'm really satisfied with it. Definitely, I haven't had you know a great uh, role playing game experience this year. You know, I Did you I tried play Dragon Final Age. Fantasy. Yeah, I, I, I binged on Dragon Age last, I guess it was last winter. So uh, it was technically last year. Yeah, it's not super fresh in my mind, but I loved it. Um, so yeah, I guess Fallout kind of scratched that itch. You know, I didn't, I tried to get back into Final Fantasy fourteen when they switched over to Heaven's Word, but I just dropped it after the <laughs> month. I'm like, nah, um, it's not fun unless I'm adventuring with friends. So. I always say Heaven's Sward in my head when I see <laughs> Ward or whatever it is. Um, and yeah, Fallout kind of came right on the heels of Metal Gear 5. What was your, what did you think of oh, that? I haven't finished Metal Gear Solid 5 Phantom Pain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gone back to it because then, I don't know, different things happened and now I'm in Fallout and then um, we played Triforce Heroes, which we should talk about a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but Everything I played of Phantom Pain was great, and Lions is currently playing it, so he, it may end up on flipping tables as a topic. Um, but you know, what a way to go out! Even though the the you know the meta story about Konami and Kojima is just like awkward soap opera right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they they basically let him go because he took five years to make this game, and they want to <laughs> they want to do more of the Marvel Cinematic Universe thing of what's yeah, put franchise out. Franchise it to hell. Or, you know, if you want a game analogy, it's uh, Assassin's Creed. Just every single year there's a uh, new game, and they're, yeah. they're buggy as hell. Um, no, Metal Gear was just, it's so polished, and, like, you get this level of detail. Like, it's not that everything is high detail, but the things they choose to focus on are so taken to an extreme of, like, you know, <laughs> some cats. Taking Sorry, let me go close that. I'll All right. Hey. Oh, I can't stand him. Bo? Bo tried to jump into the oven. (laughs) Kill him. All right. Anyway, sorry, uh, something about polished. So, yeah, just the the level of, like, insane detail. Like, if you shoot guys in the face all the time, they start wearing helmets. And um, if they (laughs) you always do your mission at night, they start wearing night goggles. But, like, that to, like, almost every corner of this universe, they do stuff like that. And even, like, weirdly, like, I've seen videos on YouTube of people that, like, 
So one of the game mechanics is you can call in resources, whether it's like a supply drop or vehicles or your horse can just parachute in. And people like manage to parachute their horse down onto a moving truck. Yeah, and the whole Fulton system is just super funny. It's just that that works in the game, and it's like <laughs> such a serious game, but then so ridiculously humorous. So that's, I mean, that's a game for the ages. I'm probably going to be thinking about that game the rest of my gaming life. Yeah, that was one I did, I wouldn't say 100% in it, but I did every mission that I could, every side mission. And then there was probably like four or five super ultra extreme ones that are, that aren't story missions. They're just redos of early missions that are just make you do it on like super stealth mode. Um, I've, I'll probably do those eventually at some time, but you know, for the most part, I did. I, I can't even estimate how many hours I put into that one, yeah. but um, I really went all in, and that was like my life for at least like five <laughs> weeks straight of just nonstop. You know, yeah, yeah, super fun though. I really miss it already. I'm like, ah, give me another chapter, or something. <laughs> Well, and that's the rumor that Kojima still had more he wanted to do with the game, and they they finally just said, "No, you're shipping it. Deal with it, and <laughs> we're firing you." Basically, but uh, man, to imagine—I mean, he, supposedly he's setting up a new game company, so we'll get something from him in five years. But yeah, but at least he gets that. I guess. Yeah, I saw just news today. He's partnered with Sony. He's probably just going to do his own thing for them when he feels like it. So. That's a huge win for Sony. Um, yeah. Here's an idea that Lions, I don't know if he mentioned this on Flipping Tables or if he just spoke to me about it otherwise, but would you be interested in a remake of previous Metal Gear Solids with this game engine? Um, even though they wouldn't be open world, just the the feel of the game. I don't know. I think this one has such a particular... He hits on it too with like trying to get used to this idea that you should be using your visor to tag guys and you don't get that god's uh you know sonar ability to know where guys are looking all the time um i think it only really fits for this world i don't know if i would want it for the others yeah well not that i wouldn't play through them if they (laughs) did do that but well and my counter example was they did that when in a way when they remade the first metal gear solid for gamecube the twin snakes yep and they, they used the Metal Gear Solid 2 engine, and everyone complained that the game was too easy because you could shoot in first person. And it was just yeah. the, the maps of that game weren't made for the super-powered Metal Gear Solid 2 snake. Yeah, it robs me of that experience of, you know, oh, shoot, he's right around the corner, but I'm safe here. <laughs> yeah, each of those games is that, basically, in a nutshell, but you know, there's different ways they go about, like, what are you going to do if you know a guy's there and you're around the corner? Yeah different approaches so dog tags um just a couple other games that i thought we'd bring up is uh mario maker are you still playing this one i did bring it out the other night just to kind of play around i do the online levels and i try kind of the popular ones and i'm always looking for fun ones i i always look up on either reddit or just youtube like hey what's a cool zelda themed level that somebody did recently um and i still play it i haven't designed a level probably and at least I don't know, over a month, but um, it's something I feel like I will I definitely would get back to. Yeah, um, are you having success finding levels that aren't just like, ha-ha, it's a song, or ha-ha, it's so hard you will never want to play it again? <laughs> yeah, I don't do any of those. I 
I just I like clever levels. I like puzzle levels, especially like oh, let's figure out like I need to get that power up or else I can't get to that door. Those are the kind of levels I design myself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just kind of I feel like it's this grand experiment where like they just gave us the tools to their kingdom. They're like, see what you can do, and it's just kind of fun to kind of get on their side of the table and be like, oh yeah, what would I do? And I know you've kind of gone overboard with especially just like jumping as far as you can to land on one block kind of levels. <laughs> and <laughs> land exactly in the between plants, piranha plants. <laughs> and the fact that you can beat them enough, like because the caveat is you have to be able to beat it yourself before you can publish it. So I don't know how you've beaten the last two you made. I well, that's what makes close. me want to beat your levels. Is I'm like, Justin can beat it. I can beat it. <laughs> I know. It's this real you know, rudimentary competition bug. <laughs> Uh, Benji also in that club of making Mario games. Um, Two other things. The first one, a multiplayer 3DS game, Triforce Heroes. And I I remember talking to you that you were trying to beat some of these levels single player where you have to throw these puppets around. Is that even doable? It's not. There's one boss I know is impossible without it. Um, And I feel like they know that and they give you three skips per uh-huh. world so i just like every time i get to the boss when i know it's impossible for one player i just skip it and i'm like all right I'll, i won't get as good of a treasure but i couldn't beat it one player it's ridiculous <laughs> uh, um, so hard to get I, us all together for that yeah it's super fun though like i you know we only got together once so far to have like three people that you know playing together um otherwise you have to play with strangers on the internet and there's just a bunch of a just mean um yeah. And just for the listener who doesn't know what Triforce Heroes is, it's basically multiplayer Zelda, and it's also kind of something I've always asked for, which is Zelda where it's just dungeons. And uh, don't give me a whole bunch of annoying story and non-player character conversations, and um, you can mostly just dive in and play puzzles, and that's fun. Um Though uh, for mul- the maximum experience, you really have to get two friends, and even then, it's it's really hard. They give you these like eight picture icons to like indicate <laughs> over here, or yeah. you know, pick me up or throw me, but um, you can't really communicate what you need in, in a complex boss with that. And so, you know, we resorted to a Skype call just so we could bark out, no, 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 go over here. I don't know how you can do it without being able to tell them. <laughs> well, we tried one level and we failed miserably. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I'm almost done. I'm on the last world. I think I got like three levels left to beat. So I have been, you know, trooping my way through it single player just to get these suits. <laughs> yeah. We think they'd ever do just a normal single play. I guess it'll be a story Zelda. That's what we're gonna get. Um, we're gonna get yeah, Phantom I'm Pain sure Zelda this... in next year. I guess that's what I'd be excited about. Yeah, gosh, man. Um, last game of this year that I'm playing now. You know, since I abandoned Fallout and abandoned Metal Gear, is uh, Final Fantasy VII's re-release. Which I mean, there's two things here. They're remaking Final Fantasy VII. I talked about this on Flipping Tables. Uh, mm-hmm. It looks kind of like almost like an action game, almost. But then they also just re-released in, the original in episodes, right? Like they're not going to do yeah. the whole. Yeah. Well, their reasoning was that they're, they're making it so big and so updated that they have to do it episodically because, like, a Blu-ray is not going to hold that whole game reimagined because the game's so long. Makes sense. Um, 
but uh, I'm also they also re-released the original Final Fantasy VII for PS4, and the 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 key difference here it's pretty much exactly the same game. It's been upscaled, so the you know they can't do anything for the backgrounds; they're still pixelated. But <laughs> they're so grainy; it's so funny. <laughs> but the anything that was polygonal has been upscaled to full 1080p. So you know, in the battle, it's like it looks simplistic, but they're at least smooth, and it's not mm-hmm. all jagged edges. Um, but you know. I, I've tried to jump into Final Fantasy VII many times since the first, you know, in the late 90s, and I've always getting, gotten stuck because I just get so bored. Um, but three things... Yeah, they, it's a really slow <laughs> game, actually. Really slow, and if you're committed to, like, the materia thing, there's lots of missable items, so you got to stare at game facts the whole time to make sure no. you don't miss anything. Um, but three things they added to this to make it easier on people who just want to get through the story again... And that is a three times speed button, which is amazing. It's a dream come uh, true. <laughs> uh, also a full health, full magic, instant limit break button. So you can beat any battle without trying very hard. And then <laughs> lastly, a no random encounter toggle. So if you just want to get to that next city and you're not grinding right now, you can just get there. Yeah. So I'm making my way through the story. <laughs> it's working. Yeah, I put in, I just got it yesterday, and I probably put in an hour and a half or so. And yeah, just flying through the story, like remembering how slow it was. I had just ran through it on PSP like maybe two years ago, and I like I was on it for like six months just picking away <laughs> at it. Um, but now I'm just like flying out. I think the first like big tentpole of threshold is to get out of midgar yeah and i just remember like i probably put in 20 hours till i'm out of midgar but now i feel like i'm gonna be out of there in like five or yeah. four <laughs> it's just gonna be like, okay this is this is much better and much more you know yeah just having those options is like a dream it's ridiculous because you are invincible if you want to be but um for those who just want to kind of get through it and, and be nostalgic well, and a bit, it's You great. can play it the way you want. So, like, you could be invincible during annoying parts of the game, but, like, say you want to play it straight, you could, you know, when you're grinding and you're like, I'm just trying to get Ultima. I'm not trying to, like, prove my worth in this game. Like, yeah, let's you speed things up. Turn here. three times speed on and grind your way with Invincible, like put players that don't have stupid limit breaks and then just kill everyone quickly. <laughs> yeah. I've already angry at Eris for having a stupid he can't healing. Only heal. I know. <laughs> and she's so, worthless. I have to slow down the battle and have her attack normal. <laughs> and yeah, there's that and like she's going to die anyway. I'm not investing in her. <laughs> so. Glad oh, we have the same conclusion on that. Yeah. <laughs> 20 year spoiler. Instantly, yeah. 10 minutes in. Oh, Eris sucks. She's the worst. She always was, but extra now. So I finally got out of Midgar. I just got to like the beach. Um, yeah. And that's about it. So yeah. fun to finally get through this game again. I'll probably never do it again. Though I'll check out the, the actual reboot when they Definitely. release yeah. Um, any other games on the horizon? Um... There's an Uncharted coming, right? Oh, Uncharted 4 is in the spring. That's right. Yeah, We'll that's see. I mean, so. I, I have a love-hate with the Uncharted games, even though Last of Us was amazing. Um, Uncharted kind of turned into, well, there's a bunch of waist-high cover places, and like 50 guys are going to come shoot at me, and I got to kill all of them before it'll <laughs> let me continue. And I get really yeah. sick of that. But maybe they've changed it. Maybe they fixed yeah. it. 
And uh, since we don't have the Xbox X Bone, um, we'll be getting Tomb Raider this year, next year. I mean, oh yeah, Rise of the Tomb Raider. That was a, yeah. the last reboot was pretty fun. So really Definitely. angry that Microsoft paid them off to steal that game. Yeah, so that'll be 2016. Um, I mean, I'm hoping the Zelda does come out yeah. next year. That'd be amazing. Um, yeah, we'll see. Star I have Fox. a few, a few <laughs> games. That, yeah, Star Fox. Um, a few games on my Christmas list. We'll see if I get them just to kind of like, I'm curious. Like, I'm not going to go buy them myself, but if they were given to me, I'd play them. Like, I would try out the Star Wars Battlefront. Like, oh, it'd yeah. be fun. Um, Splatoon. Like, yeah. It just looks like a kind of a fun game. I'm not going to spend fifty dollars on it, but um, and then another one I wanted to try, um, Just Cause Three. <laughs> did I keep you play memes about it? <laughs> Do you play the other ones? I did not. They're very much just like crazy sandbox game of just insane physics action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks really fun. At least just kind of from a playful <laughs> standpoint. Um, a lot of these just like funny walking away from explosions videos and well and like uh, insane like jumped from jet landed and killed this guy and <laughs> yeah. shot a rocket at this helicopter and then jumped back in my jet and flew away and, like, all in one yeah <laughs> uh, so yeah I'm not gonna go out and run out and buy that but if it was given to me sure I'm gonna give it a shot I know like The Witcher is on sale I'll probably try that if if it happens for me uh, but yeah we'll see how much time I have I think I'll. Be, yeah, uh, curious to see. So. Well, I think that's an episode. Um, until someone asks us to review a different category of entertainment. Um, no, I'm good with those <laughs> movies, TV, and games, mostly movies. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for listening to episode 29 of the Pseudo Show. You can find some links to some of these movies and TV series, and you know, however many links I have enough energy to grab for this. Yeah. Um, and uh, you can find show notes to this episode at sunriserobot.net slash pseudo show slash 29. I'm almost forgetting our URL. And uh, me and Justin are both on Twitter. If you got your own uh, top of 2015 you want to tell us about, you can find me. I'm at Medwards Music. And Justin, you are? I am at pseudo Justin. Oh, I'm so jealous. Um, <laughs> So send us some tweets and uh, we can have some conversations about these movies, uh, whether the past or the future um, or the present. The, don't spoil Star Wars, please. Yeah, give me a few days. <laughs> Although by the time this is published, we may have seen it. So whatever. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys, uh, if, if not sooner, uh, in six months. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Happy New Year, guys. See you.